Welcome to the Musical Communication Podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Ploger, and during these podcasts, I'm looking forward to being able to explore all aspects of what it is to be musical, whether that is how we can be more musical as musicians or how we can understand why we love music and why we think it's musical or why it isn't. So we'll be exploring everything from how to perform music, how to listen to music, as well as aspects of music perception and cognition. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Musical Communication Podcast. My name is Karen and I am your producer and I am sitting here with your lovely host, Marianne. Thanks, Karen. I just love being here. It's great talking to you whenever I can. Yeah. It's a great pleasure. Me too. I love this so much. I think it's like my favorite kind of conversation and I love that we also have other people listening with us so it feels um, very intimate and my mind's just always blown, Marianne. Like every time you talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought about any of this. So I'm excited that we have this in posterity for people well, to listen to. It's it's wonderful. And it's the company that brings that out. So it takes a team. Yeah. <laughs> You're so sweet. Um, so today's episode is going to be just kind of a continuation of our previous one. Um, if y'all haven't listened to our previous episode with um, three things Marianne learned from working with Nadia Boulanger, please go back and listen. Like that is an absolutely epic episode. And this is kind of going to be just a continuation of that in some capacity. So the topic is the role of spirituality in your work. Yes. Take it away. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it's a very important thing. Uh, and I think sometimes it's missing in our training. And I think it comes down to the fact that maybe in our modern education, we need to expand so that we're thinking about not the brain and the intellect alone, but rather we're encompassing mind. Okay, so again, I, I am a very great fan of the teacher Sadhguru. He's a terrific teacher, so uh, it, you can remember it, cause it starts, though it starts S-A-D, uh, Sadhguru. It's anything but that. <laughs> he, is the, he is one of the most joyous, fulfilled persons around. So uh, in his talks, he discusses this aspect of mind. So he's very often discussing these things with cognitive psychologists and, and neurologists, etc. All of the, the things, his practices in the Hindu uh, tradition. And essentially what he, he talks about is four aspects of mind. These are the general aspects. But there's the intellect. We work a lot on that these days, the thinking part of the brain, cogitating, figuring things out, memorizing things, etc., just, you know, information-oriented, and then knowledge-oriented, to some extent. And then the other is identity. So that is a different kind of mind, and that is, with whom do you identify? And that frames your mind. That is, it's the lens through which you look at the world, because it's based on your family, your language, your education, and all of these other lenses that are identity. And uh, so... One of the things that I believe is so important today is that we kind of have a crisis, I think, of identity because of the diversity issues. We're now in a small world where we're dealing with people of all races, of all backgrounds. But um, it's very important, therefore, that in our education, in our mind training, we're actually expanding to uh, beyond our community, beyond our culture, to be to get more, to expand our identity into the nation, into the world, into beyond the world, you know, greater and greater identity. So that is in a way less and less small identity. 
And then you move into the aspect of memory. And this is very important. This isn't just memorizing information. That's more intellectual. But this is how our body, our DNA remembers things. And how in music, for example, we seem to be able to tell what the tonic pitch is. Even if we don't even know what the tonic is, we'll, we'll probably sing it if we hear a tune uh, that we know that it's the, the note that feels the most resolved. But we don't know how we know that, but there's a kind of a deep memory, probably. There's some deep embedded DNA that allows us to know that. We don't quite know whether other animals do that yet, but <laughs> um, I think that this kind of knowing is really important, that, uh, that we do remember to a certain extent, I remember what my grandfather was like, even though I never met him, because he's in my, my body. He's in my DNA. So it's that kind of memory. I have habits that I think he had. Uh, I, I can even see certain features that he has. And then finally, there's the chita, which is the, the ineffable. The, uh, this is uh, very hard to define, uh, but it's, it's a greater expansion. It's somehow, again, knowing beyond knowing which is very difficult to describe. But I think in our, don't you agree that in our musical training, we tend to have a lot on the intellect and on the identity. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, the result is that we over-identify with our own culture. And uh, so, for example, a classical musician listens to more classical music. That's fine. I mean, because it's great music. But are they exposed to other great music and other cultures, gamelan tradition, the sacred music of India or of Japan or other places, the classical musics of other cultures. Um, and if so, how do those things relate to one another? How, do, how does my music relate to that? So I think that it's so crucial now that we have that expanding awareness. So uh, this is happening. I'm talking to colleagues who are administrators of music schools, and they'll say that their students are saying, you know, I'm getting a degree in music, not classical music. So why am I not studying more of my music, the music I actually listen to? And on the one hand, I completely concur that that's an important thing, mm -hmm. but we need to expand. <laughs> we need to be able to understand what are the common factors in our musics and you know I, I'll say there are 12 pitches in an octave 12 pitch classes in an octave ultimately there could be an in, it's like saying 12 different colors um, in the spectrum for example but there are 12 basic pitches and then that makes 11 dichords as I call them intervals and then <laughs> rhythms are counted in twos and threes and I don't care what culture you go to if you look deeply into it especially the sacred traditions of music you'll find the sacred geometry and all of these things are there so that we're unified Pythagoras is doing the same old thing that those Chinese um, great musicians and theorists were doing 1500 years before that or more so ultimately then we need to be expanding the idea of memory which to me means paying attention to how we remember things in other words um, how it is that i know a major triad how do i feel that it's in my body how what what are the what are the uh, ways i can recognize that and pay attention to that instead of it's 
A, C sharp, and an E. <laughs> a C sharp, an E, and an A in first inversion. How do you recognize? So it's sort of the listening to the body, to the to how we we understand and communicate using those those things. How do, how does music communicate? And to me, that's a form of memory. It's like it's really tuning into. Oh yeah, that is a particular uh, beat pattern. That is a five beat pattern. And it's two plus three, and but it's a form of of knowing in your body and memorizing in your body and feeling it in your body, and so that it, we sometimes do that by just repetition, don't we? We just say repeat this over and over again, but you see that's only using one of those three minds that there, and maybe <laughs> we need to be using more of that. And then finally, the one that we'll be talking about here mostly the, the spiritual to me. So the spiritual is attitudinal that's how i think of it i think that psychoguru would know much more than i uh, but for me it, it's attitudinal and um, thus so important to mademoiselle boulanger and to anyone who's teaching is it's how you hold your mind and that you're allowing yourself to be active and receptive the yin and the yang you know you're you're able to not only listen but you're actually able also to perform you're not only passively performing something you're actually able to express something unique in it that you're doing more than just playing the notes that there's something else in there that is always changing and is very powerful certainly i believe very strongly in communication that is beyond just the sound and so a reason that i personally prefer old vinyl recordings you know the analog uh, versus digital recordings because there's something that gets lost i can't explain that by the way but definitely in my work with people i, I can fairly quickly tell their degree of spirituality you know how spiritual they are and when they are spiritual they have certain characteristics and the characteristics are essentially a receptivity you know they're willing to just listen and receive like you do and then but there's also got to be the courage or the willingness to jump in there and and do daring things to take big chances and to not be afraid if you fall and then just get up and look at what you know what happened and like my little nephew fell down the stairs and and just wanted to figure out what happened without screaming and crying um, you know we Sweet. just have to we just have to um, be able to get up and and uh, with the joy and sense of we'll be okay this will be all right and it's the ability to encounter difficulties the tenacity and devotion that is we what we talked about before and that ability to maintain the focus and the faith in the answers and then kind of finally and very importantly the ability to be present this is so challenging <laughs> yes <laughs> so um that ultimately this ability these attitudes are crucial to being able to succeed well so the ability to be present means that the mind is calmed down that it's not thinking it is 
able to sense and perceive with a clear lens instead of a fuzzy, dirty, sanded grit <laughs> uh, layer that blocks our view and our ability to hear and feel and perceive. So that ability to do that is something all of us can learn to do. And to me, I think music can train that. So as my in my work, I've created certain exercises that I think perhaps some of my students would like to um, strangle me for uh, <laughs> uh, that require that you cannot perform if you're not absolutely mindful. It's one of them is the tracking page exercises. You cannot perform that exercise if you are not mindful. I don't care how good you are because you have to know every single thing that's going on. You're having to identify in great detail <laughs> what is going on when you just have a single line of notes that are diatonic. So it's sort of training, that's a type of training uh, that helps counterpoint skill that Mademoiselle Boulanger so deeply valued. So but that mindfulness is really something you have to have. So those of us who perform music know that the more we are present and we are mindful, the more it communicates to the audience. It's just true. If you think you're going to be able to communicate when you've got all this junk in your head, you're just messing up the medium there. You're messing up that aspect of mind. So ultimately, it has to be that this, this spirituality has to be uh, an ability to just be completely at peace, quiet, while performing very challenging things that require all of these different levels of mind. I mean, the intellectual part I've discovered in my work. If a person is trying to name the intervals, let's say we just have these notes in a row, everybody. So you've got to, if you can see the keyboard, don't do this if you're driving, <laughs> unless you're really apt. From, uh, from a D on the piano, move up with your index finger to an F. That was three semitones that you just moved. F up to A, now move the finger from F to A, is going to have two whole tones, therefore four semitones in it. So being that conscious of it is really important. But if you kind of believe that all thirds in the major scale are all major thirds, you're going to have trouble because yeah. a part of your mind, your intellect is going to go, what, what? That's not right. It's going to look back and go, what? There's a, I just had this happen last week to a fabulous musician who's a professional musician. And again, it just goes to show you, he's working with this stuff all the time. But when I asked him to just say what the, <laughs> how, what the thirds are, whether they're three or four semitones, just doing an alternating third, you know, la, 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 having him do that, he immediately said that from D to F was a four and not a three, not three. It wasn't three semitones. He said it was four. And he was kind of, he looked, at, when I stopped him, he said, oh, you know, so this is where if the intellect understands that, of course, there are minor thirds above the notes D, above A, above E, and above B. If you already have this information, this intellectual knowing in your <laughs> intellect, that is truly the intellect, then you're not going to be fighting with your intuition. Because your mm -hmm. intuition, he sang it beautifully and musically. Yeah. But if your intellect is arguing with your memory... <laughs> You're going to have troubles, all right? You're going to also have troubles if you immediately say all, um, oh, that weird music, Indian music, you know, sliding around and making weird sounds and 
you know, what about the music of Islam? Oh, I don't, it's, oh, I don't like that. Listen to it. You're going to find the same elements in it. It's just how they're using them to communicate. But so to me, the ability to unify all these things comes from the attitude, your ability, to, the lens through which you see, and that we need to really make sure that when we're getting musical training, we're looking at all of these elements, you know, yeah. And we we do this in classes. I'm sure you had some of the did you have some of those classes where you had you you had to study baroque music and then you studied oh, classical yeah. music and then you might have had some other global I don't know if you had global music yet. And No, we did. Um and there was a lot of hearing samples too. Yeah. But my only qualm with those classes were it was almost it felt like it was out to get you. It wasn't really like, "Oh, this is great." Like we would have uh tests on Gregorian chants, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't play the actual chants. It would just be like the antiphonal sounds. And it was like, I don't know what this is. So yeah. just a lot of, of that. It felt a little deceiving. So but testing. And, yes. and again, you're testing the, yeah. 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 That's another subject <laughs> we can get into, <laughs> which is an important one. Uh, but, but definitely that the idea that look at what what's in common or why does this sound like this or what is your response to this what when you're listening to this music what do you, what does it make you feel and why does it feel that way so to me that's a very very important aspect is looking at what it means so to me the essence of the spiritual aspect is meaning what does it mean yeah and that and when you start looking at that you look bigger than just yourself not just what does it mean to me but what does it mean that's yeah. different you got to look at start it with the look at me that's a small identity but then it has to expand what does what does this mean what does it make me feel a couple podcasts ago i talked about that just tuning into our own bodies and feeling what does that music make you feel what does it mean what is it communicating and um, we have to have that ability to sense deeply, not to avoid judging, but to definitely be discriminating. You know, I don't have to be judging spicy food as bad. It's spicy food and it's wonderful in the right proportion. Yeah. I don't have to be deciding that all sweets are bad. You know, no, um, honey is supposed to be a very beneficial thing and, uh, and they're they're just delightful things in the right proportion but you have to sense you have to be in tune (laughs) you have to be in present you have to be receptive and then you have to be courageous enough to act yeah yeah oh i love that um and last thing before we go how do you how did you balance this in academia or how do you teach that to younger folks wow that's it's, you know, when I teach privately, I, I've always had the pleasure of being able to teach the way I, I believe in teaching completely. Uh, to be completely honest, and uh, it, it's been challenging in an academic environment because um, in academia today, there is definitely a sense that if you're spiritual, you're woo-woo, which I'm definitely not. I know exactly where all those elements are in music, I think better than many. Uh, and perhaps most and I I most assuredly am aware of what's happening intellectually but I have to kind of soft pedal it because of the fact that I don't want for example when I taught at, at Vanderbilt University I have to be very careful because I feel strongly 
that the students are looking to me as an example of Vanderbilt's philosophy. That's the identity of the university. So I have to be kind of careful about how much I talk about Hinduism or other things. I'm not an expert at those things, although I greatly admire them and read a great deal. But there are these very clear, what I would say, you know, the expression, lanes. Stay in your lane. And so in teaching in academia, it's much, it had to be very carefully monitored. But of course, one can learn these spiritual principles through action. So in other words, through teaching the tracking page, they, a, folk, a person can learn all of these things. It's just wonderful when I can work with spiritual people and I can actually go right there without having to sort of soft pedal. Um, I'm able to be more, more direct about things. And uh, my current students are um, very much that, that way, spiritual. And I'm greatly honored to be sharing that time with them. So yeah, that is the, it, I've had to compromise. Yeah, one of my colleagues who was teaching my method broke off and he had meditation for musicians. And to be completely honest, I understand why he did that. But frankly, the exercises were meditations for musicians. <laughs> it isn't a separate thing. It's, it's the same thing. There we go. So um, ultimately, it's wonderful to be able to be just much more, more direct. And yeah. it is, it's just having, expanding our identity. We just have to, you know, I am a Christian by birth, raised Catholic. I have so much respect for that. Uh, that's the basis of my experiences in the human form I'm in. But I've also read about Buddhism. I've read about Hinduism. I continue to study anything I can get my hands on uh, that relates to sacred geometry and mathematics, physics, and all of the new um, spiritual knowledge that we have, quantum mechanics and how that might apply <laughs> to all these things the Egyptians and Chinese and <laughs> Greeks were talking about. So... Uh, not to mention what Beethoven, Brahms, and <laughs> um, Bach did. So uh, ultimately, we're all connected. And so it's a joy to be able to not have to hide. Thank you very much. Yeah, So I mm. love that. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. I feel like there's like an embodiment to what you're describing and um, like a beautiful degree of, of surrender to in pursuit of, of magic and whatever is greater. So I love that approach. And it definitely feels a lot more kind than what we would do with our own humanity. So important. Yeah. You know that we've talked about it. You know, we, we have to lovingly let go of the industrial revolution in our education. You know, <laughs> Should be a t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge for the age and it's a difficult time right now. So, Figuring out how to deal with all these identities is extremely exciting, but crucial that we, wow, we don't clam up, which is what can happen. Mm -hmm. We can break into factions because we feel overwhelmed yeah. instead of opening our heart and accepting that, you know, we're going to find a common ground and we're going to be able to work together. There's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be disagreement. That's how things change and grow. It's the nature of life, but we don't have to make a mess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love this. Thank you so much, Marianne, for sharing. Oh, this was amazing. Pleasure, it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.